episode of Thought Pumpkin. It is Friday afternoon and I'm recording this because unlike presidential elections, I come on time. So I do my shit on time. Um, seriously, welcome to day 47 of the presidential election. Um, in all seriousness, I would prefer a slow yes rather than a fast no. So take as long as you guys need. In the meantime, I'm going to remind you guys that you are in charge of the content you consume. I'm going to remind you guys that you that while we cannot control what's happening over there, what we can't control is whether we've eaten today, whether we've taken a shower today, whether we are doom scrolling and refreshing and arguing with relatives and all that other bullshit. We can control those things. Do something else. I promise, I pr- promise you that when it's all sorted out, someone will let you know, I promise. Um, things I'm doing to distract myself is I am Christmas shopping. I am, I just bought a bunch of family pajamas for my family, my kids and I, and my husband who doesn't wear pajamas, but he's gonna wear these fucking pajamas. Um, Cause they cost money. And so he's better, he better wear them. And so I am, I've done that. I, today there's Target has a sale on a KitchenAid, the stand-up mixer, the pro. Um, it's usually like 450 bucks is 200 bucks. And my husband loves to cook and bake and do all that shit. And he's always using a mixer. Like even if we're making a Duncan Hines cake, he's like, let me get out my mixer. Like what? This is made for teenage girls to mix up while watching, while uh, listening to Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, while babysitting a bunch of badass kids that they're getting underpaid for. I mean, maybe that's my experience, but still, like, but yeah, so I'm going to get him that mixer. He's not home, so he doesn't have to know about that. No one tell him either. It doesn't matter. He doesn't know where his phone is. You guys can't get in contact with him. So (laughs) he doesn't check social media and doesn't know where his phone is. And, um... Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> I barely get in contact with him. So <laughs> just cause I sleep next to him. That's the only reason I get in contact with him. I'm going to buy him that today. Um, Target's also having a buy one, get one half off on toys. Like today's Friday. So Friday and Saturday. So I am taking advantage of those types of sales right now that I don't have to go to a store that they'll mail the shit to me, you know, that type of shit. Um, Normally by about normally by about Thanksgiving, I've got all my Christmas shopping done because I am a planner and I like to do shit early. So and um so yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm also watching between I think it's called Seduced. I might be wrong. I might be saying it wrong. There's a stars docuseries called Seduced, and there's an HBO docuseries called The Vow. And I've been watching the both of them. I mean, Keith Rainier's head is like in my face all the time. I'm just like, I wake up and I see his fucking face. But (laughs) I really like, I'm just enjoying it because it has nothing to do with the election. It has nothing to do with what's happening right this second. It's just, you know, some dark shit that like the type of shit I've been watching since I was a kid that I'm like, okay, I'm into this cults. Yeah, I don't think I could join a cult. Although like sometimes I'm like, I should like, Look at all the like built-in friends and like support systems and business partners and and 
uh, mommy's groups and shit they all have because they're in this cult. I should join a cult, but <laughs> I don't think I could mostly because not because like I'm too smart or anything, guys. Like they definitely would have got me. I'm like dumb as shit. They would have fucking got me with that, with those classes they were teaching, like how to like divorce yourself from emotions and do shit. Yeah, they totally, I would have been like, I'll look at this pamphlet, sure. But the money, they wouldn't have got me there. I could totally see them being like, you have to spend like thousands of dollars to do this. And I would have been like, I can't, like, I, I, there's no way. And, and they would have been like, you have a poverty mindset. And I'd be like, yeah, cause I'm in poverty. And this is where my mindset is. <laughs> so that also like just a kind of dumpy white guy in glasses with long, with, with a, a ponytail your Aunt Judy might have wearing like fucking New Balances and a and what is that thing you put around your head? Like a, a sweat guard on your head and like knee pads because he also plays late night volleyball games. And also like, it's all centered in Albany in some townhouses. Like it is all so, <laughs> I don't know. I want to say random, but that's not what it is. It's like, I think the words I'm searching for are not special. Do you know what I'm trying to say here? Like, I don't know. Scientology's like, we do our, you know, this is our, this is our, our home base and we go on ships and shit. And like, you know, it sounds like they've got something going, but then like this guy's like, yeah, man, um, you gotta come to Albany and live in one of these townhouses. And I'm like, is, do you know the secrets to the world or not? Like what's going on? Why am I at a volleyball game at two o'clock in the morning? Why? What's what's happening here? And so, <laughs> also, like they couldn't. I I would have left the moment they're like, like I'm watching a lot of footage because the Val has a ton of footage because it's made by the he kind of Mark Vicente and um. Sarah, I forget her last name is. It's not Paulson. And, and they just had so much footage because he's a filmmaker and he would film all sorts of things. But also, like, I was like, how does he have all these calls? And then, like, later on, it, it said, oh, uh, because, um, because I record every phone call. Why? You don't think that's weird? That before any of this happened, you just were recording all your phone calls? That, like... As your marriage was falling apart because your wife was leaving a cult and you go visit her, you just would like set up a camera to watch you guys. That doesn't seem weird. I don't know. Um, there's a ton of footage. It could, honestly, it's nine episodes. It could have been four. It could have really been four episodes because some of it was just footage after footage after footage. But watching some of it, like them running up on stage barefoot to accept awards and shit, Keith kissing people on the, on, right on the mouth, everybody, everybody he sees kissing him on the, like, just kissing him on the mouth and shit. Like, I, I, I couldn't have stayed. I couldn't have stayed. Like, they couldn't have got me. Jesus be a, a mono vaccine. I, no, mm-mm, mm-mm, no. I, I just, <laughs> my natural incli inclination to dislike anything like that, like, white people with no shoes on kissing each other in the mouth. <laughs> like, 
that would have saved me. I mean, other ones would have get me. I'm very fortunate that like, I'm not like a, a Dr. Se Sebi. It's Sebi, right? It's S-E-B-I. I don't usually say that word. I only read it on the internet. A Dr. Sebi follower. I'm very fortunate I didn't like get whole tipped out, you know? Like, <laughs> they probably could have got me. They don't kiss each other on the mouth. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm like disassociating with that stuff, listening to the Scientology um, podcast. I'm reading. I'm, like I said, I'm doing Christmas shopping. I'm preparing for an adoption. Oh, oh, guys, guys, let me tell you what the fuck happened. So my little bunny, my little seven-year-old foster daughter who I adore, even though sometimes she gets on my nerves, but I still love her more than anything in the world. I told her she has one of the top five faces I've ever seen in my in my life. One of the top five cutest faces in the world. And she <laughs> she didn't quite get that. Like I have five kids, and that's why I said that. <laughs> but still, she was very happy with it. But anyway, she told me there's a boy at school named Ephraim. Y'all say his fucking name, Ephraim. Told her she looks ugly in her glasses. I told her, listen, you tell fucking Ephraim his. His name sounds ugly. His name sounds like throw up. His name sounds like what it sounds like when I'm vomiting. That's what it sounds like. Sorry. <laughs> and she, I made her laugh and she went back to school and uh, told him. And apparently, even though he's been talking shit to her and he pushed her one day, even though, so she tells him his name sounds like throw up. And he tells the teacher, and now we got a little note from the school. And I sent a note back that said, yeah, anytime y'all want to talk about this, let's talk about it. Because Ephraim has to be stopped. Listen, Ephraim, if you run up, you get done up, okay? I, you messing with the wrong fucking mommy because I fight children. I don't have a problem. They square up against me, let's, let's have it. That's not child abuse. That is you. That is you trying to take me on and us having a fair fight. I fight children. I don't fucking care. If you want to meet out at the playground at three o'clock, I'll be there. And anybody else who want to run up in here, can they can get it too. Listen, Ephraim, fucking with the wrong person. Mm. But, I mean, on the other hand, I do know, like, uh, Bunny is incredibly bossy. <laughs> so am I. So is my mother. And, and I did, like, Impress upon her, like, hey, listen, Ephraim. I mean, not Ephraim. I, Bunny, if Ephraim and Ezekiel's badass are like being mean to you during recess, then you need to take yourself elsewhere. Like, we don't be around mean people. All it takes is someone to talk to us wild one time and we don't fuck with them no more. Like, go play with people who want to play with you and go talk to people who want. I know she's like, well, I was trying to tell him something. And I was like, yeah, you don't need to tell him anything else like let him figure shit out on his own um the fact is like I really worry about um imprinting like not imprinting modeling um good relationship behavior for her um and understanding like we don't fuck around with like we don't fuck around with people who don't treat us well. That's it. We're like, as soon as you don't treat us well, then you're, then you're done. And one of the things that has been my saving grace, I mean, it hasn't saved me from all fuckboy shit, but one of the things that's been my saving grace in life is that much like Cheryl Strayed talked about on her, um, Dear Sugars podcast, her 
the most attractive thing that someone could be is to be very attracted to her. And she's just like, the number one thing she wants from her partners is for them to be madly in love with her. And I feel very close to saying, like, like the, and so if you don't, aren't into all this, I mean, you can't see me, I'm running my arms along my body. If you can't, if you're not into all this, I think you're ugly. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm immediately turned off. <laughs> so, so I've been fortunate that I tend to find myself with people who are really fucking into me. And it's been helpful in avoiding fuckboy shit. It really has been. I haven't like completely bypassed it, but it's been helpful. Um, I hope that I teach her about finding the people who get what you do, who enjoy you, who think you're funny, who think you're cute, who think, who just like, like being around you and don't spend any time at all trying to convince people who don't think that. And I mean, that served me well in life. The fact is I'm, I'm doing pretty well overall and I don't waste a lot of time with people who just don't get what I'm fucking putting down, you know? So we'll see, you know, or I'll go to school and fight a child. I don't, I don't have a problem fighting a second grader. That's something you should know about me. Okay. All right. (laughs) I feel like I've been talking a while. Um, Let's talk about the fucking episode. Um, So we're on uh, episode five, season one of The Real L Word. And um, this episode is called Free Pass and it aired July 18th, 2011. So. As always, they start off with explaining, with like asking some, you know, some open-ended question for all the ladies during their, during their, um, professional photo shoot or whatever the fuck they're doing there. And they asked him about a hundred footer and what one is. Um, Nikki says it's a lesbian you can see from, you can tell from a hundred feet away. Um, you know, it really... Like part of it is that like there's some something about a butchness, right? Of like, oh, that person has is not subscribing to conventional ideas of femininity, right? Um, they've got a, a buzz cut. They are wearing flannel and boots or something. I, but as Tracy points out, like they could also be German and they could also be a hipster and they could also like, where are you? Like that could also be like, you know, the norm where, uh, not that I want to use the word normal, but you know what I'm saying? Like that could just be the style where you are. So it's not incredibly accurate. It's very stereotypical, but, um, Wit says that she, sometimes she's a 50 footer, (laughs) which means you got to get a little closer, but you know, if she's like building a fence or whatever, and I found it to be incredibly funny. I'm just thinking of someone driving past a woman building a fence going, that's a lesbian. She's building a fence. Look at her. I don't make the rules. You build a fence, you're a lesbian. That's how it works. <laughs> um, Rose says she thinks of like 70 San Francisco lesbian, that sort of thing. And Jill says it sounds like a Subway sandwich. Correct, Jill. By the way, isn't Subway like the most inconvenient way to get food, isn't it? 
Maybe it was because I was annoyed, but my husband really wanted a Subway sandwich. And I was I had to go to this Walmart because that's where the prescriptions come from. So I was going to get medicine anyway, and there's a Subway in it. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll go get the prescription medicines. I'll go get the cold medicine for the little one, and I'll pick up laundry detergent and then get you a Subway sandwich. And I went through the whole fucking thing, and then their card reader wasn't working. They were like, well, maybe your card isn't working. I was like, my card's working, bitch. I've got the most money I've ever had in my fucking account. Get the fuck out of here. The card's working. I just got gas. And they're like, mm, this happens sometimes. We don't. So I had to, like, use a fucking credit card. <laughs> Who wants to put $40 worth of, like, bullshit at Walmart on a fucking credit card? Ugh. So, but then I go to Subway. And I'm just standing there thinking, and it just hit me like, this is the most inefficient way to get a fucking sandwich in the world. Like, obviously, you want to tell them what you want on your sandwich. But why do I have to stand here over the sneeze guard during the pandemic? By the way, so they've got all these chairs, so you're extra far back so that you can get you can get the whole six feet back. So now I'm just standing here telling you what to put on my sandwich. Why? And my husband wanted two sandwiches, and it was lunch. I was going to get one, too. So I did order three sandwiches. The person in front of me was ordering three. The dude dropped the knife and had to go in the back to wash it. And I don't know how well he washed it. Like, I don't fucking know, dude. Like, I was like, don't I wish I was at a fucking Wawa right now? Don't I wish I was at a Wawa? Don't I wish that I was just... Wawa probably has an app by now. But I, I remember how I used to get off of work. From tending bar, I'd be so fucking tired, and I want a quart of su- of sweet peach tea, a king size Kit Kat, and a fucking sandwich from Wawa. And I go in there and get myself, and I just fucking order it on the screen. Bucky's does this too. Love it, love it, love it. Um, except Bucky's makes like brisket. <laughs> They make the sandwiches, they candy almonds and shit like that. They also have a lot of come and take it gear, but fine. Just keep my husband away from that shit. I don't want him wearing anything like that. And I don't think he understands the ramifications of of that sort of shirt or whatever. But so, so like, anyway, I was just thinking, oh, wow. If I was at Wawa or Bucky's or something... First of all, they probably have a fucking app. And in, and I'm sure Subway has an app, but I don't go to Subway enough for that shit. But also, like, you can just go over here and order the shit. Like, I trust that if I put lettuce as an option here, you're going to put lettuce on it. And, like, if I want light, I'll, I'll tell you. Like, come on, man. Just make my fucking sandwich. Anyway, it took fucking forever. I was starting to not feel great. I've been pretty snotty lately, which is why doesn't feel great in a pandemic because you're automatically like, I have coronavirus. And, <laughs> but, and so I, like, it felt like I was, like, going down. You ever been, like, sick with a cold or something? And you can feel the cold coming on. Like, maybe you don't have a fever, but you're like, uh, I got a little cough. My throat doesn't feel great. And, you know, so you're thinking about it. You're thinking about it. You're thinking about it. And, um... And then suddenly your body starts to be like, no, bitch, you're sick. Sit down. And that's exactly how I was feeling. And I was just, and it just hit me. I was like, Subway's the worst place on earth. And I know some of you out there, some of you haters out there are like, isn't that just like Chipotle? No, bitch. I use the Chipotle app. 
which is why I'm in a fight with Chipotle right now. Because at my Chipotle location, which is on Palmer, and I'm not telling you where on Palmer because some of you live in my area and I would hate for you to be at the Chipotle seeing me in my pajamas picking up my fucking order. <laughs> There's actually two places I can go, so I stopped going to the one at Palmer. But I will put in my fucking app order and I don't know if they got a new guy that just happens to always be working when I usually order Chipotle, but this motherfucker never gets the fucking order right. So like, let's say I'm ordering three, I'm ordering two orders of tacos. Chipotle tacos have three tacos in each one. I mean, you can get two, but there's, but they're three. So I would order two orders of tacos and he would make one taco for every order. My husband would order the queso on his burrito and not me because one, I hate queso. It's watery cheese to begin with. And even if I liked queso, even I know that fucking Chipotle queso is goddamn trash, okay? Someone who doesn't even like Chipotle, uh, doesn't even like queso, knows Chipotle doesn't know what the fuck they're doing with queso. But fine. My husband likes liquid cheese. I don't. And so, he, it's a weird thing about me, okay? Sorry. If the cheese can run, I don't fucking want it. And so, so um, he gets it on his burrito. And he doesn't even, my husband doesn't even like Chipotle. If he allows me to get him some from Chipotle, he prefers Freebirds. He gets that fucking burrito that's the size of, of your forearm. That's what he gets. It's, I don't know, it's a mega or a monster. No, they have a monster. That's just a big burrito. But he gets like an ultra monster or something. It's a special, they got to make a special for him. Anyway, so he wants that liquid cheese on it. Dude doesn't put the cheese on there, gives us a side of fucking queso. If I order kids meals, Dude doesn't put the chips in the bag. Like, it's just too much. And then I get there, or if I ordered early, homie. So normally I can order Chipotle off the app. I can't believe I'm going on about Chipotle. Yes, I can. I believe it. So <laughs> if I order it, I use, it's usually ready in 15 minutes. Tops. At the latest, it'll be ready in 15 minutes. But sometimes I'll order and I'll just be like, okay, you know what? Sometimes the place gets busy. I don't want to have to stand there inside a fucking Chipotle in a pandemic. So how about I give myself an hour, right? And so I arrive on time. I go in to get the shit. It's not ready because homie's working. That dude is working. And then whenever he fucks up the shit, they make the girl at the counter redo it. And the girl at the counter, for some reason, always works with the guy in the back doing my fucking order. This bitch never wears her mask over her nose. Like, the first time it happened, I was like, okay, like, princess, just breathe, just breathe. You already came this far. You've been waiting forever. Just get the fucking shit. And the second time it happened, I was like, actually, just cancel it. I was like, I do not want, I drove all the way over here. And also, this chick over here, why is your mask never on top of your nose? And she's just fucking looking at me. Like, every time I've been here, you're at, your fucking mask is like down below. Everybody else in here has their mask on correctly. Everyone who works here has their mask on correctly. Everyone in the line has their mask on correctly. Why? I don't get it. Get a different mask if you can't breathe through it. Get a different mask. And so like I had a little tantrum in there and left. And like this is the same place that one night I just wanted chips and guac. 
Again, Chipotle's guac is not amazing, but that's what I want. I want a Chipotle chips and guac. I go fucking, like, actually, if I want good chips and guac, I can fucking go to H-E-B. I go to the, they make their own fucking tortilla chips back there with sea salt, and they make their own guacamole, and it's fucking delicious, and, and they make it spicy, and the kids love it, and so do I. But it was late, and I was like, you know what? I just want Chipotle chips and guac. I order the shit. I go there. I get there. They're like, listen, uh, we don't have any chips. Okay. They are close to closing. I understand. But like, when you got the order, why didn't you just call and say, we don't have any chips? So, and they're like, so we just going to give you two guacs and some queso. <sighs> Again, the queso is trash. Okay. <laughs> and why would you give me all this guac so I'll know that I don't have any chips? What the fuck? Anyway. Yeah, so I'm in a war with that Chipotle. I don't go there. Guys, I fucking drive to Flukerville to fucking go to Chipotle. And if you know where I live, I never say my suburb's name, but it's the least fashionable Austin suburb. Suburb. It's the most country. And it's the blackest suburb, too. It is. It's, it's one of the reasons I wanted to live here. Also because it's cheap to live here. But um, you know... That to get to Pflugerville, if you know the area, you know I got to go up these back roads and shit. And it's at nighttime usually when I'm going to get Chipotle. Also, so I'm going up these, um, these like country back roads. And, um, I mean, everybody goes shortcuts at the Pflugerville. And there are like these like homes, just a few homes on these country roads that are like have lots of area and stuff. And one of them just had a line of Trump um, signs like lined up along their property. And last week I was driving by and I don't know why I looked over there, but I did. And like someone had been like shooting up their Trump signs. And like, obviously I don't want any, you know, I don't feel bad that they're, they're, well, hold on. I would rather not have to look at those signs, right? But the idea of somebody either going on their property, and I'm assuming at night is scary. Like I'm just thinking about like being in my home and like somebody coming on my property because they don't like a sign I have out there. And then like if they shot at those signs, like they shot at these people's house. Shit can ricochet. Shit can go anywhere. I was like very, I was like, listen, this election is getting fucking wild. The liberals are shooting up the signs now. Crazy. I mean, I am in Texas, but um, so what the fuck am I talking about? Chipotle. Yeah, I'm mad about the app. I, I maybe I should have used the Subway app or whatever, but it's like the mo Subway. I just don't, I don't understand why I would stand there and look at you so you could, so you could put lettuce on here. And if I ask for more lettuce, maybe you'll give it to me. Maybe not. I don't know. It's not that special. It's just like lunch meat like just throw it on there man and just make it and don't make me stand here why am i talking about subway <laughs> uh oh i remember it was jill's fault anyway let's start with jill and nikki the boring news um jill and nikki feed their dogs fresh chicken guys like they cook chicken and they feed it to them of course they do of course they do um, I'm not saying like as an animal lover and someone who like really spent a, a good portion of my life, like raising and rehabilitating animals and shit like that. Uh, sure. 
fresh meat is better. But also someone who cooks fresh food for their animals or gets it delivered, I can also imagine they do that, um, is not in my tax bracket. Like this is not what, like, they're rich people. Like I said, everything I everything I can say about them is that they're rich people. And it makes sense. It makes all the sense in the world. But that's like typical. They don't have any children. They have two super cute dogs. Just really fucking adorable. The one that was bringing out uh, his little his little carrier because he heard they were leaving was, I'm like, listen, this one. Keep an eye on him. He knows what's up. But <laughs> this has happened in the first episode. But also like, yeah, of course. Of course they do. Yeah, they have time to cook chicken for dogs. Um, or pay someone to deliver chicken for dogs. Um, so the wedding planner hasn't gone back to them. Remember last week they had all that shit. And, but she leaves a message saying she wasn't offended at all and that she's been, she'd be happy to work with them. And I say, big mistake, Camilla. Big, huge. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying that. Uh, mostly, they seem to do all right during the wedding, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were like incredibly high maintenance. Um, you should have charged them 10% more actually. Uh, the dressmakers email back, cause remember the dresses were too much. They were like about 61, $6,200 each custom dresses. And I, last week I told you guys, I don't think $6,000 is too much for a custom wedding dress. I don't, I just don't. It seems about right. I think that like, if you go to David's Bridal, you can easily find, it really just depends on, like they have all these fucking sales. You can find a $200 wedding dress, but like, I think between, depending on what you do at like a, a mass produced place like that, you could do anywhere, it's, it's easy to do anywhere from 500 to maybe 3000. I'm sure they have higher pieces in there that's like a little bit more, but that's about the range. Like, I think that, Lower income people spend between five and a thousand, maybe two thousand dollars on their dress. Really depends on what their budget is. And I think that the next step up are those like boutiques that carry designer gowns. Maybe not, maybe not fucking Gucci, but they carry design with a name. And those are like you know two, three, four thousand dollars somewhere in there. And a, and if you go to a designer with a name like a Vera fucking Wang or you know somebody whose name is, you know, adds cachet to the, to the design will really adds cost to the design because of who they are. They're branding their mark, their marketing and shit. Um, they, I think you, you, you start getting up there 10, 20. I, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these people with these like celebrity custom designer gowns made by a, a name designer aren't paying like $30,000, $40,000 for dresses. I would not, that would not shock me in any way. Um, if Kim Kardashian said her dress cost 60 grand, 100 grand, I'd be like, okay. Because it's, it's super custom by like a really big designer with like lots of custom elements, I can imagine. So as someone who has no money, the fact that I, <laughs> I was not like $6,000, that's crazy. The fact that I didn't have a heart attack and you guys did. So they sent an email, you remember they sent an email saying that like, you know, it cost a little more than they thought it was going to. And the dressmakers emailed them back and basically says, um, you know, uh, we understand. Thank you for giving us your thoughts. I thought it was a really well-crafted email as someone who 
had to do like customer service emails to people before like that. But she just said, thank you for all your thoughts. I understand the sticker shock. I mean, I was surprised as the money began to add up, but the, as well, but the fact is custom always costs more than in the store. That makes sense, right? In the store, they're mass producing things. Even if you're getting designer gowns, maybe they're not mass producing things, but they are producing it. And so it just costs more to do one-on-one. -on -one. It costs so much more to make one, to have one person make one dress than it does to have a factory or even if it's a small factory. Um, do you remember a real woman have curves? Remember that movie with America Ferrer, who I adore? Great, great. Now that I said I adore, she's going to be racist tomorrow or something. I don't, great, great. By the way, I'm not really on Twitter and, and Instagram. I'm not on social media right now. I'll check in to make sure that I'm not like forgetting things like when I have to. But I just happen to like be trying to answer a DM from somebody. Don't DM me. I don't answer my DMs. But this particular one, I wanted to answer a DM. And I saw that. Isaac Hansen was like, was it Isaac? It was a little one, the big one. I don't remember. Um, was basically like this election is illegal. And so it's, no, no, no. He was saying coronavirus was made up and it was illegal or something. I don't know. He was saying some real crazy fucking shit. And I was like, well, Liz's cool lesbian friend did fucking tell me. And thank God that happened last week and Mbop is gone from my life because what if I had been sitting here Mbopping and when I just casually looked at Twitter to find out this motherfucker is out here just like we, <laughs> we have gotten to a point in society where you can really just say anything. You can really just say fucking anything on the internet. You can just be like, yeah, man, um... I've just been in my room and I have decided that Jake Paul and Logan Paul are the same person. And like, do I believe that? Yes. But what, should they be the same person? Yes. Why wouldn't they be the same person? And also his name should be Jacob. It's much more respectable to me. Jake sounds like a douchebag. Jacob sounds like somebody who will pay you back the money they borrow from you. But should they be the same person? Why are they two people? Yeah, but would I also get on the internet and just be like, guys, uh, a very important announcement. I've just been thinking about it, and they're two, and they're one person. And so, no, 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 don't give me any facts. Don't show me any pictures. Don't correct me, because I can't be corrected, because I decided this. Like, people really just say whatever the fuck they want to say, you know? They really just say it. And so... <laughs> Why the fuck am I talking about that? Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> uh, I really don't know why I'm saying that. I could pull it back and figure out why I was saying that, but it probably is important. Anyway, the, oh, real women have curves. Do you guys remember that movie where her sister had a little like seamstress factory? It's probably, it's not called a seamstress factory factory but it's called something where they would make these designer dresses like they contracted out with these designer dresses i mean with these designers to make these dresses and it's not mass produced it's not like some taiwanese factory but it is a a small factory here in the states and 
they do the piece work on it. They do the work on it. And so even that is cheaper because you're buying things in bulk. You're paying for things in bulk than one person making you a custom gown. Like for someone who like buys a lot of shit and like she seems like someone who shops a lot. Like I don't understand why Nikki wouldn't know that. And as someone, me, someone who just like bought some white jeans from Old Navy, like a crazy person. Where the fuck am I going in white jeans? I don't, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> what? But as someone who has no fashion sense, who doesn't like do a whole, whole lot of shopping and shit. Like, why do I know that? That's weird. You know? So anyway, um, yeah, the dressmakers were basically like, listen, if it's not in your budget, it's not in your budget, bitch. Like, they did not offer any discounts or anything. They are just like, okay, I understand. And I felt like that was a really respectful way to come about it, saying, I understand where you are. I understand budgets. It costs more than it does in the store. Here, And they gave them some suggestions for um, boutiques or, you know, places that they might find something that they want to buy. Um... And Nikki looks very sad and she says she'll have, you know, it's just a dress. She'll find a dress in the store. And to that, I say, Nikki, go buy a dress and calm down. Just buy a dress. Buy an expensive dress if you want. Even if your dress is like, so when I was watching this, I was thinking to myself, even if I'm sure you could find a $3,000 dress that's half that price that you'll be happy with. And then what's next? The next fucking scene, Nikki finds a goddamn dress. What happens is that dress that she was trying to knock off, she actually called the designer, which just blows my mind. Cause I'm like, you didn't check how much the fucking dress was before you tried to go get someone to make a custom one. Like you saw the dress and you didn't go, how much is this fucking dress? I really like this dress. How much is it? I honestly thought she found, she saw that dress and it was like 10 grand. So I thought the six grand would be a discount on it. That's what I thought. I, you know. So, you know, she calls a designer. Designer's apparently a British designer. And she asked, who carries your shit in the U.S.? And there's a boutique right up the fucking street from her. And she goes. And so they got the dress and she tries it on. And dude, it fits perfectly. It looks exactly how she wants to look. The whole, like this is, this is her aesthetic. Everyone's gushing over it. She's, she's in love with the dress. And I'm like, dude, why do we do all that to do this? So fucking weird. Um, Jill found something too, but she didn't have the same experience that Nikki had. You know, the fact is that Jill is not as decisive as Nikki. It's just their personalities. Um, and her mom isn't there, which is like, you know, she she's the type of person that wants her mom there. And she wants these types of things. And so I understand that. And so Jill wants to put it on hold and will come back on the weekend. They'll, most places will hold something for like three days. And Nikki's like, oh, you're going to put that on hold? I'm buying this. Why wouldn't I buy it? Like she feels, Nikki feels in her heart that this is a dress. And I agree. I would just fucking buy it too. And it's. Like, you know, it's half the fucking price of the custom dress. It's like, in the end, it's like 3200 or something like that. Which sounds more than within Nikki's budget. So, sounds great. 
you know, Nikki's mom is there and I think her name is Barbara or something like that. And she says that Jill just isn't as decisive as Nikki. Like she and Nikki are like, you know, she and Nikki are ball busters. They're decisive chicks. They're like, you know, they make decisions, they move forward. And they're very much alike. They seem to be best friends. Sounds awesome. And she just says that Jilly needs a little extra time. And by the way, I did not mention this before because I am, I am, they didn't do like a, a, a in the moment interview with her because they're like interviewing her out on the street in front of the wedding place. Um, Nikki's mom is super cute. Super fucking cute. She's got a cute little fucking haircut. She looks great for her age. She looks like, like, she looks like a great mom. She, I don't know why. She just looks like, like if she came in and was like, hi, I'm so-and-so's mom. I'd be like, look at that cute mom over there. She is just so fucking cute. Anyway, that's the end of it. That's the end. That's all they did this week. All right. So let's talk about Mikey. Mikey had a short week this week too. Mikey's back from Vegas and it's just having to deal with the fact that they lost that stage, which I kind of forgot about. <laughs> it seemed to be like a really big deal. And then we went to Vegas and I was just like, oh, fuck that stage. <laughs> but I do have to like, I'm still kind of confused about what happened, right? Like, I feel like I missed something, a piece of, of important information because... I don't understand how Mikey has booked a location, put her money down. I don't know. They might, it really depends. She, it, it, it can be anywhere from 25 to 50 to 70% down that you need to put down to hold the space. It depends on how like in demand they are. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't 50% down. Um, since they seem to be in such demand, but, uh, I don't understand how Mikey put her money down, signed a contract and just cool that they gave it away it does not make sense to me um I think that she just did the walk around and then they realized that the space was already promised to somebody else I think that's what happened because she's just too cool about it like I said I've <laughs> I've double booked weddings I've double vent booked events people be mad people be mad <laughs> so <laughs> So yeah, they're, they're trying to figure it out. She's got a production guy. She says she's got the best production guy in LA, but Mikey exaggerates. So <laughs> Mikey just says things sometimes. So, I mean, it's just probably her production guy. So she's got him with him, with her. So they can just kind of see what's available. So they're still in the same, is it the same lot? No, it's the still, it's still the same Maybe lot is the right way. Is the right way because it's a group of stages and lots together. Maybe that's what they call it. But there's some other areas available, and the one that seems to be able to work the most is an outdoor area. But here's the problem: outdoor automatically jacks the fucking not the price of the space. The price of the space is probably if it's comparable in size, it would probably be just a smidge cheaper because it's outside, there's no structures or anything like that. Um, they might not have, I mean, they, I'm sure they have electricity set up and everything, but they just don't have the same amenities that you would have in an indoor space. So if it was the exact same square footage, it might be a bit cheaper, but I got a feeling it's a bigger square footage. I got a feeling it's bigger square footage, so it costs more, 
And also you have to do more to an outside space. So like right then and there, the production guy's like, you need a tent. You need a fucking tent. Um, and it's 10,000 square feet. It's big. <laughs> I mean, it should be big. She's doing LA fashion week. Again, I just like, is LA fashion week tacky? Is that what I'm understanding? Again, I don't know shit about it. So am I to understand is, is New York fashion week? Cause New York fashion week is a very, is a very large production. It's a lot happening there. There are lots of events in different spaces. Like I said, when I did the, the Gotti's, they were doing something for fashion week. Uh, there are definitely events happening on long Island during fashion week. I don't know if I call them fashion week, but there are fashion events happening there. And <laughs> like, it's very varied. Um, there's just a lot going on. And the, I like, I cannot get over the fact that Mikey is doing LA fashion week in 10,000 square feet. I could be misunderstanding everything. Cause it's not like I'm sitting next to Anna Wintour. It's not like I do that. Okay. But I just, I'm just like, this is a very different scale, right? Um, so, I mean, the production guy's like, yeah, it's going to be like $15,000 for 15 K just for the fucking tent. And it doesn't add up all the little extras that you have with the outdoor space, just little things to make things work. Um, maybe extra lighting, maybe you need, um, more electrical setups. Maybe you need, like, just, you just need a lot of shit. Probably not in LA, but in other places, like you might need heat lamps to keep it warm underneath there. Um, you got, you also have to worry about fucking weather. Like it's, it's, it's tricky, but it seems like it's the only choice that Mikey has. And here's the other thing. And she just mentioned, this is another thing that I'm like, what is, I'm really TBD on what this fucking is. Um, 15,000 is more than half her budget for the whole shit. Is this a one, is LA Fashion Week one show? What? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, like she's only got 30, she's got less than 30K to put on the whole fucking thing. And it's also, like I said, the creeping up of expenses. So it's really not an extra 15K. It's an extra 20K when it's all said and done. And so Mikey and the team start dallying for dollars. Where did I get that term from? The Wire. Remember the season with the politicians? Um, one of my least favorite seasons. <laughs> season one's my favorite. The ones with the kids, which I think is, uh, it's the schools. They call it the schools one. Uh, it might be the third one. I don't know. That's my second favorite. Then the politicians, then the, the docs. Those are the, <laughs> those are the orders in best. Those are the best ones in order. And the only reason the kid, the school ones is such a good fucking season. Okay. Wallace. I don't even know. Why I fucking brought up Wallace. We're all in a very. <laughs> We're all in a in a in a very emotional state, and I just brought up the fact that they popped Wallace down by the vacants. And 
But yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> I I don't know. This is you guys are always like, Princess, we really actually love your tangents. This is when the tangents go wrong, guys. I am so close to fucking crying. <laughs> I have just been talking about Chipotle. I threatened to beat a child, beat up a second grader, and all of a sudden, forty-eight minutes in here, I mentioned a fictional fucking character played by Michael B. Jordan. His cornrows, and I am like, I am half a step from bursting into fucking tears. Oh my god! Ooh. Ooh, ooh, let me be thinking about Ephraim and how I'm going to fuck him up. <laughs> ooh, ooh, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I can't. Oh, my God. Well, you take that left turn, man. <laughs> anyway. In the politician season of The Wire, I recall the white dude that's running for I forget his name. He calls it dialing for dollars. And it's when, or I might have got that from fucking um, The Good Wife, you know? Uh, when Peter would be like looking for money. But so like, he's out here trying to like score some business or get some people to be in Fashion Week and to pay to be in Fashion Week, which makes sense. You do have to pay a fee to have your thing showcased. But I don't know. Anyway, so, whew, I'm so happy I didn't start crying. Um, in the end, what happens is that Mikey calls, gets in touch with Richie Sambora, who has a fashion line. I mean, I don't know if they still have a fa- if he still has a fashion line um, called White Trash Beautiful, which at the time, this is not the first time I've heard of that fucking fashion line. And Richie Sambora's wife at the time was like really... I don't know. She was just like in a lot of reality TV and like around and shit. And I'm assuming this is the wife that he divorced when he was fucking Denise Richards. I don't fucking know. But the the line's called White Trash Beautiful. And because of that, they have the money for the tent. They have the money. So they're back in business. And that's all that happened with Mikey. Okay? And... Guys, don't please don't ever bring up Wallace again. <laughs> like it was you. <laughs> it was definitely me. Okay, so let's get into Rose. We start with Rose talking about how dirty the house is, and we find out that Nat's been working about seven days a week at her salon job. She's been there about three years. Um, she, um, you know, she's kind of burnt out of hair business. And she's going to remember, she said she was going to start working for Rose. Rose is going to pay her double what she was making there. And, you know, it's on your feet. It's customer service. It's, I think a lot of people, when they get into beauty business, like says so hair, makeup, um, a word I cannot say that starts with an A that Chelsea went from Team Mom to went to school for. And <laughs> that sort of stuff is essentially mostly customer service even though you get to like play in that like really artistic space but it's essentially customer service and you know I'm sure Nat managing that salon she might as well be uh the shift manager at fucking Target you know so 
she's, you know, she's tired and Rose is frustrated and that hasn't quit yet. And it's going back and forth about whether she's going to quit. Like for Rose, it's over. You said you're going to quit. We're not going to do it anymore. Um, yeah, that's, but Nat seems to be more of a jail type and really is like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like as annoyed as I'd be when I'm like, Nat, you said you were going to quit. You like, you made this decision already. I also could understand her being like, I don't know, I've been here a long time. I'm a manager now. She used to be an assistant. Like, and and being worried about, am I giving up something good to like go work for my girlfriend who whose our relationship is not always in a good place? And like, if we break up, I'm gonna lose where I live, where I work, and my girlfriend at the same time. Like that's drama. But I don't think Rose, like, even, like, understands that's where Natalie is. Um, Rose's dad shows up. I'm always happy to see him. I like her dad. He just seems, I don't know. He just seems like he really loves his daughter. He seems like, he reminds me of my dad and that my dad would, like, like, when I used to live in the area he lives in and I lived in a little, like, little shitty house, my, I would like wake up sometimes and my dad had come over and mowed my lawn and, or he'd call me up and say, do you want some Chinese food? I'm near you. I have Chinese food. Like, I don't know. It, it just seems like, like I can see that Rose's dad loves her by like the shit he does when he comes over and goes, Hey Rose, and they're going to a lesbian wedding. Oh, you're in a dress. Like, I don't know. He just reminds me a lot of my dad. Like that, like these are all like love languages for my dad, like always. And like, I know my dad loves me by the fact that he says, I'm cooking red beans and rice. Um, come over. And it seems like her dad's like that too. And they seem very close. So I'm always happy to see him They're Like they're going to a friend's wedding and her friend's a lesbian. Rose is happy that her father is super accepting. They're not expressly saying this, but like in Latinx culture, like it really would be nothing for her dad to be like not speaking to her because she's a lesbian, right? To like sever their relationship because she's a lesbian to, or to have a relationship with her, but be like unwilling to talk about her quote unquote lifestyle, you know, basically her life, you know, and she couldn't bring girlfriends around. It would be, I'm not saying it would be right, but I'm also saying it would not be uncommon at all. All of, her dad could totally like it would be almost normal for her dad to be like to not talk about the fact that Rose is a lesbian and not be like a super integrated part of her life, which we'll get to with Tracy a little bit later. But he's not. He's like, let's go to a lesbian wedding. Marry your girlfriend. Come over for dinner. Like he's he's not. He, he like he really loves his fucking kid. And I know that we should not be this. I shouldn't fall for this, right? Or not fall for it. I shouldn't be this impressed by something so small. You know, I've been on the Patreon. I've been doing Hogan Knows Best for the bonus episodes. You can sign up for them at Buy Pumpkin Podcast. Excuse me. That's a lie. You can sign up for them at patreon.com backslash Buy Pumpkin Podcast. Um, or Buy Pumpkin, excuse me. Um, and one of the things I'm going to probably talk about next week is how many times I go to look for pictures of the Hogan's and Hulk is kissing Nick. And like, obviously I got a lot of problems with Hulk. You know, 
I got plenty of fucking problems with a white man in a do-rag that says the N-word. But, <laughs> but um, it is refreshing for me to see a very masculine man, a very, you know, he's in, he's, he's all about being manly, you know, and all that. And he absolutely puts his hands on his children. I don't mean like fight them, but you know, lays, puts hands on children and like touches them and kisses them and asks and like talks to them. And it's not what I was expecting. I've seen this fucking show. It's not what I was expecting, but all these pictures of him kissing Nick, a lot of man, so-called manly men wouldn't do that. And, and so when I see it, I'm like, oh, good. Thank goodness. It's, it's, it's a little barber. Thank goodness. Look at him. He loves his kid. Even though his kid's kind of a douchebag, but still. Um, so at this point, Rose talks about how she was raised by her father and her grandmother was her mother figure. Her father was a disciplinarian. Her grandmother was her mother figure. Her mother was not a part of her life. And her and her dad are talking about the fact that she's still estranged from her mom after all these years. And not all the family is, but it's like, it really keeps her grandmother torn. Um, and so I'm assuming this is his, this is her mother, her paternal, I mean, her maternal grandmother. Um, I probably like to ask Rose more about this because it sounds like she was raised by her father and her maternal grandmother. So were they living together? Or was she living with her grandmother and her father was like her, like her grandmother's, her grandmother played the role of mother and she lived with her mother and her father was her father. And so it would be like having divorced parents. Like he comes and picks you up. You do, you spend time with him and stuff, but you live at your mom's house or something. I know I, I want, I have questions about this, but right now it's hard because Rose isn't as forgiving of her mother, of her mother as I guess other people in the family. And it's making everyone having a hard time with it. Uh, Rose thinks her dad really wanted to go to this wedding to nudge her into doing something serious with Nat. Because <laughs> the way her father's like talking about everything there. And then Nat calls. And Nat's had a long day at work. She's been there for a long time. And she's supposed to find them at this wedding. And she's lost. And apparently she also has to pee. And she's bad at directions. And I understand before Google Maps, I was always lost. I've been lost a lot of fucking places across this fucking country, guys. When, when, I don't know if they, they probably had it in Chicago. But I know definitely, but the second time I lived in New York, Google Maps definitely had like, um, public transportation like you'd be like how do I get here and they'd be like catch this bus get on this subway get off here and I was like whoo thank goodness I remember the first time I lived in New York <laughs> I was taking a train somewhere it might have been the Penn Station <laughs> when I got there somebody offered to sell me either crack or their teeth I wasn't sure <laughs> but I remember like staring at the subway map being like, am I going the right fucking way? And this dude who's on the car with me, it's just me and him, comes and sits across from me and goes, where are you going? And I told him, and he goes, okay, you're going the right way. You get off, and he points at the map. I guess I was looking at that map hard. Like, I am nervous. <laughs> so, and he points to the part, he's like, this is the stop you get off. It's like four stops up. 
you're going to be fine. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank you. It was just like a stranger. I mean, people talk about New Yorkers being like rude. And I did not find that to be true at all, to be honest. Um, I don't think they're rude. They were busy. Like, I, guys, when I get off the fucking, <laughs> when I get off the plane at JFK and I hit that fucking uh, train, <laughs> I turn into a whole nother person. All of a sudden, I'm walking fast. I'm annoyed because you don't know how to use the thing to get your car, the metro car. Listen, if you don't know how to use it, move. Move. Stand over there and watch us, and then you get back in line because we all have somewhere to go. And, <laughs> and so, like, I just remember... I hate when people stop on sidewalks. We're all walking, and you just stop to what? Take a picture or something? Get the... Move! Move! <laughs> It's just, I, but I have found New Yorkers to be just on their way to do something. You know what I mean? Like just, and also you cannot get emotionally invested in everything that fucking happens. Like, like I said, a ton of shit happens to you and homeless people everywhere. Shit's happening. All Like just anything that you think could be happening is happening. If you emotionally invest yourself in every person you walk past, you, I don't know what's going to happen to you, but I know I can't do it. So but I've found New Yorkers to be incredibly helpful. Like I said, that guy, like just stopping and being like, where the fuck are you going? You look nervous. Let me tell you where to go. This is like my first week. <laughs> and also like me dropping my wallet, people chasing me down to give it to me. <laughs> people, hold, strangers holding trains for me. Like the landlord that I live with, like I was looking for a place and I could not, and I had my little Shih Tzu mama. And I couldn't have a dog. And I just was like, okay. Like, I couldn't find a place I could stay with a dog and that I could afford. And I just still had her. And I was like, okay, well, if I get an apartment, I'm going to have to, like, rehome her. Like, I literally would not have any place to live if I was not willing to rehome her. And she happened to be, like, in the car because we, we were on Long Island. We, and we were uh, looking at a place in Queens. And, uh, and the landlord goes is that your dog? <laughs> and I go, yeah, but don't worry. She's not going to come move here. He's like, oh, that dog's fine. She can live here. <laughs> like shit like that happened to me all the time. Like really and really like people just being like, you're good. Don't worry. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I reject the idea that New Yorkers are mean. I are rude or any of that shit. I just don't have a whole lot of time and they know where the fuck they're going. And like, figure it out. I remember when I went to Paris, I went to Paris by myself years ago. I haven't traveled by myself in a while. I really want to do it yearly, but pandemic. <laughs> so I went to Paris by myself, and I remember taking the commuter train from the fucking airport, and then I was at the subway. I need to get where I was going. And at the time, I was living in New York, or I just left New York. So, like, being on the subways, like, no problem. But the way they did their... They don't call them metro cards. Maybe they do. The way they did their metro cards was very different than the way they did in New York. And there's a long, there was a line, and I was like, and I had fucking luggage, and I was like, you know what? If I was in New York and somebody went over to this thing and didn't know what the fuck they were doing, I'd be pissed. And like, they're obviously a foreigner who speaks our language fucking terribly. My French accent is bullshit, y'all. It is fucking bullshit. Um, I'm much better at writing and reading it than I am speaking it. And so 
I I remember being like, no, I'm not gonna be that person. And I kind of like went off to the side and I just kind of watched. <laughs> I just sat there and I kind of watched. It was almost like double dutch. I was like, okay, they do it like, like that? Like you flip it? like. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I feel confident I can try it. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, I'm off topic as usual. Anyway. Where am I? Oh yeah, I've been lost forever. And Google Maps, when Google Maps had transit on there, like on the phone, and I may had it on like desktop beforehand, I was like, ooh, perfect, perfect. <laughs> Where it could just be like, yeah, this is how you get here. You walk two blocks, you get on the train, you get off on this stop, you walk north, you do like that. Um, so I understand that being lost, but she's pretty miserable. And you can only hear one side of the conversation, but but from the way Rose is answering her, she she's asking her to calm down. She's asking her to stop yelling. And it's just a lot of screaming. Part of it is, I think, that Nat called Rose on her phone and like seven times and then couldn't get her and had to call her on her dad's phone. And I was like, okay. So she's just, she's in a mood. And Rose is like over it. She's, you know, I, which I think a lot of people would be, would be like, okay, well, why are you yelling at me? And um, like, just breathe. And at one point, Rose is, Rose is trying to give her instructions. And Rose is just like, well, okay, go home then. Just go home. And that doesn't want to do that. If you can't find it and you're miserable and stuff, just fucking go home. And like they're arguing back and forth on the phone. Her dad is like all, being an awesome guy, just being like, don't argue with her. It's not, it's not worth it. You got to remember that like, you got to remember that, uh, you know, these like, don't feed into these moments to make problems bigger. He's like giving her advice. Exactly what my dad would have said to me. He would have been like, take a step back. Don't talk on the phone with her because if you, you know, this isn't worth arguing. Also, my dad is absolutely someone who, if I was dating a gnat or something like that, would be like, I like her. <laughs> Marry her. Like, he would be like, yeah, she's a part of our family now. <laughs> and I was like, I've been dating her for three months. He'd be like, yeah, yeah, part of our family. So, <laughs> so in fact, at one point, Nat drives by them. She, Rose sees her. And it's like, there she is. And her dad's like, call her and tell her that she's right in front of the place. And... When Nat stops, like, her dad is the one that walks over there. Rose's dad is the one that walks over. And Rose is like, my dad's coming over there. Fix your attitude. Like, don't, you know, calm down and everything. And as she's walking up, again, I love this dad so much. He's like, she has to go to the bathroom, Rose. Like, <laughs> like she, listen, she has to go to the bathroom. This is why she's so upset. You have to understand. When people got to pee, they get upset. <laughs> Absolutely something my dad would have said. All right, no arguing. She has to go to the bathroom. She's a little upset. Let her pee. And then <laughs> when she comes out, you two get back together. Um, you know, Rose is essentially like, you know, my dad's here. We're in a public place. Like, fix your attitude. Let that shit go. Don't talk to me that way. And listen, I've been Nat and I've been Rose, okay? And like, I've been lost plenty of times. Crying, can't figure out where the fuck I'm going. Like... Obviously, two blocks from where I need to be, but cannot figure out how to get there. Um, on the phone with my husband, I've also been the rose on the phone with my husband, being like, 
No, you have to make a left. No, you have to do that. <laughs> Calm down, okay? Also, you're driving very fast, I can tell. <laughs> so, like, I know what it's like to be in that space, and it's hard to shake it off. Honestly, if I had been that, I would just go home. I would just go home because she's there with dad. So like, she's got to ride home and like, what's the point of you bringing like all this shit to it, to, to this place so you guys can fight more. I've been Rose. I've been Nat. I've been the dad, but it's been rare. I'm usually the fighter. <laughs> so they get home and Rose is not in the mood to talk. And Nat is trying to get her to talk, even though she says in a talking head, Rose and she are very much alike. And that when they're mad, they don't want to talk. They, they'll talk to you when they're ready to talk to you and not before. Understandable. Um, but she's still like trying to talk and Rose is looking at her phone and it's just like completely, you know, she's, she's not even like, she's not even looking at her. And Natalie is saying she's going to go to bed and is Rose going to go to bed? And Rose isn't even paying attention. Is like, I don't care what you do. And that's the end of that night. And... So now that Rose is mad at Natalie, it's the next day. Natalie's been calling her and texting her and apologizing, and now she's sorry. And Rose is like, it's too late now because I'm going to have a bromance day. And what that is, is Rose's friends are all pretty mask, right? On the mask side. And um, they're actually, they, they present more masks than Rose does. Like I said, Rose feels very... Rose feels very sex pot to me and not necessarily, I mean, she's tall, but she doesn't give me masculine energy except for when she's talking about women um, and the way she talks about women and the way she talks to Nash. That's like, Rose gives me fuckboy energy too, quite a bit. Um, but all her friends are younger than her, it seems. She calls them her protégés and they're all like backwards hat, white tee, long white tee, baggy jeans, and they go for bromance days where they just hang out. It's a friend day. But this time they're going to order a bunch of strippers. And Rose says, it's so fucking weird. Rose says that Natalie, and she understands that Nat's sad, sorry now, but Natalie's understanding if she's going to act like a bitch, Rose gets a free pass to do what she wants. Dude, Rose is gonna do this anyway. She was just looking for a reason. There's, this is not how this works. You don't get in a fight over directions and have a bad night at a fucking wedding. And then you're like, well, gotta have some strippers. No, you wanted to get strippers anyway and you're, and you're looking for a reason. This is gaslighting. Like, I don't think Natalie ever finds out in the show from what I remember watching the show over and over again. But she obviously watched the show and and Rose knows she's going to see this. And for you to be like telling the camera, well, you know, I get a free pass because she because she did this, this and that. This would have never happened if it wasn't for her. This is absolutely some shit a dude would say to you. Well, I cheated on you because you were being a bitch that day. No, you cheated on me because you wanted to fucking cheat on me, okay? You wanted to cheat on me. You knew who you wanted to cheat on me with. You've been flirting with them for a while and you decided to fuck them because you wanted to and now you had an excuse. Not that... Rose fucks anybody at this. At least not that I know. Not that we see. Um, Nat is calling home because she's getting off early. This is the day she's supposed to, to quit. So it really is a big day for her. And Rose is rushing off the phone. Natalie's trying to apologize and talk to her. And Rose is acting weird. And 
No, no, no. So when Nat comes home, Rose has just finished, like, explaining what's going to happen to one of her protégés. And, like, talking, like, sending pictures of strippers they're going to hire and stuff. And Rose just acting really weird. Rose, Rose is a bad liar. Like, Nat, you should have known something. Was, I think Nat did know something was up. But Rose is just, like, looking at her funny. And be like, what? 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 And... <sighs> I mean, the next day, I believe it's the next day, or the day that they have the strippers, Natalie is going to quit her job. And so she's preoccupied. It's a big deal. She, this is, she's giving her notice. She's leaving. And Rose is just excited. She's preoccupied because she's, like, sourcing strippers and she's trying to figure out stuff. And as Rose is getting ready, Nat is calling because she's coming home early and she's trying to talk to Rose. And Rose cuts her off because she has to get cash for the strippers and she has to run a hotel room. Like... Why didn't they just go to a strip club? Is it because of filming? Because they couldn't film there? Is that what it was? This seems like a lot to see some strippers. Um, I don't... I'll get there. Hold on. Um, so... <laughs> they, she tells them not to BBM this to her little friends. Because it's like secret. You can't let your girlfriends know. Don't BBM this. Don't tweet this. Don't MySpace this. And someone goes, MySpace? <laughs> Um, you know, the strippers get there. There's a lot of bouncing and grinding and big titties being thrown on people's faces and nipples hitting Rose in the eye and shit. It, it seems fun. Yeah, it seems fun. But it also seems, I guess what I'm going to say is that I don't have a problem with strippers. I don't have a problem with people getting lap dances, going to strip clubs, engaging in strip club behavior. I don't have a problem with any of that. Like, you know, there's a time and place for all of it. But the way Rose talks and the way they, like, just this being in a hotel room and they getting, like, a couple of strippers and, like, it just seemed gross to me. It seemed, the whole thing seemed gross. I didn't like the setup of it because I know Rose did this because she wanted to um, and turned it into a punishment for Nat to be like, well, you did this, so this is what you get. This is your penance, even though you don't even fucking know about it. And... I just like the way they were talking, like when they were like looking out into the windows of the hotel room being like, there's, there's a lot of pussy out there. Like, I, like this is not endearing to me. I don't, I mean, I'm not offended by this talk, but this isn't my cup of tea. And I'm also thinking about Rose in her Walmart desk, but spending money on hotel rooms and strippers. It just, all of this is not my vibe. And I don't think that just because it's women that it makes it all of a sudden endearing. I don't think it makes it worse. I don't, I don't, I like, I, I have like had friends who were strippers who did stuff like this call on calls and stuff. And actually they were lesbians. And, and like, I don't look down or anything. I'm just like, why well, I want to spend my money on this and I don't care. And I didn't need this scene. Um, when Rose gets home, she's all she's all hugged up on Natalie, and she tells her she missed her that day. And Natalie says in her little voice, "I would have never known." Basically, <laughs> she's saying you didn't call me or text me or do anything. And Rose is just like, "What, baby? What? You know what? I'll keep that in mind for the future." Like true fuckboy shit. I'll make an effort to change that. That's what she says. And let's see in the Rose and Nat this week. Um, then we got Tracy and Stamy. So. You know they're my favorites. 
I like them as a couple. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I just do. But Stanley friend requested Tracy's mom. You remember the lady who doesn't want to talk about gay stuff? The lady who, as Tracy is talking to her on the phone, like if she brings, like she knows about Stamy and Stamy's kids, but like immediately changes the subject, like just hops over whatever Tracy says and keeps moving. Stamy, why did you do that? Well, Stamy says that the reason she did it is because like it's been going on for a while. Um, Tracy really needs more of her mom and she just rather like interact with her and it's time. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. You don't decide it's time. <laughs> you don't decide it's time. Now, Tracy did was taking it well. She was like kind of laughing, being like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that in like a jokey way. But I still didn't like it. I just didn't. I wouldn't be surprised if off camera they like Tracy had been like, go ahead and friend request my mom. And then, and didn't think Stamy would do it. And then Stamy did it. And Tracy was like, what? I think that's more along what happened. But the way it's presented here, I don't like this. You don't push Tracy. Um, Tracy and her mom will work it out together. Now, do I think Tracy's mom is like full of shit here? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Like I, I too was like, Tracy, you gotta come out the closet at 25. And, and rightfully so. Someone was like, you gotta, you gotta be gentle with people because they come to it when they come to it. I agree. And like, if you come out at 35, 105, we should just be like, okay, cool. Thanks for letting me know that. Instead of judging or telling people what you feel about it. You really should. Even if you already knew they were gay. You know how many times people have come out to me and I've been like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And they've been like, I am gay. And I'll be like, uh-huh. And then I'll be like, I'm homosexual. I'm like, yep. We all knew that. <laughs> but that's that's not the right way to come out. Either. That's not the right way to approach it either. The the right way to approach it is thank you for letting me know. I know it might have been hard for you to like come over here and tell me that. Thank you. So happy that you're sharing with me. Not, nah, bitch, we all knew. We've been looking at you. We could see you and your buzz cut. <laughs> that's not how you approach it. But so obviously I think Tracy's mom... Like, I wouldn't want to ever, like, guys, when I was younger, I used to fight with my mom all the time, especially as a teenager. Like, we could, my dad used to have to come home and be like, every, Yvonne, go to your room. You go to your room. Every, you two go to your room and don't speak. Cause I can't handle this right now. I cannot. Like, we used to go at it. And she used to always be like, you need to run away. <laughs> you think you're so big and bad, you need to run away. And I'd be like, I am not running away. You legally have to take care of me. <laughs> you have to feed me twice a day. And you have to take me places. That is the law until I'm 18. So I refuse to run away. Okay? I'm just not going to. I'm not going to make it easier on you. I'm here. I'm going to stay here with you. You're my mom. <laughs> we used to get into arguments all the fucking time. And in my 20s, I, I wasn't like super close with my mom. Maybe I didn't talk to her, but like, not like I do now in my 40s. And basically my 30s and my 40s, I, my mom, I talked to my mom two, three times a day. She has texted me four times during this. She's sending me pictures of things she is buying my children for their birthdays. I have a birthday the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and then I have my last birthday of the year, the like two weeks later. And she's sending, she's texting me things she wants to send my children for birthdays and Christmas and stuff like that. And for approval, which is ridiculous because 
never will I fix my mouth to be like, oh, that's what you're getting them? No. <laughs> like, I'll be like, oh, cool, whatever. You know, thank you for thinking of my children. Thank you. You don't have to do this. Some grandparents don't send shit. And so, um, I, like, I text with her all the time. I speak to her multiple times a day. She is probably one of the few people, like, that I confide in. Not everything, but I definitely, like, tell her things. I don't like to talk about my depression with her because my mom, like, takes it incredibly personally and gets really scared. Um, she has been around for, like, suicide attempts. So, like... I don't like to talk about that with her, but I talk about her just about everything else. And she's pretty like cool about it. She, I can't imagine having to get on the phone with my mother and not bring up my husband or my children who are an important part of my life. Like, what are we going to talk about? Work? Work's not the most important thing. What are we going to talk about? What I'm getting in Chipotle? This is, Tracy's right. These are all superficial things. And Tracy, who's been close to her mother all her life, doesn't want to have a superficial relationship with her mom. And I, and I like respect that. Like she needs more. And it's been four or five years since Tracy's come out. And I think Tracy has been like really handling the shit with the kid gloves. But even if like, for me as a mother, even if I don't like what my kids are doing, I still want them to be able to talk to me about it. Even if I don't like, let's take like sexuality out of it. Let's just say they're like in a relationship that I am unsure of, that I'm just like, I don't know about this, it doesn't seem right to me or whatever. I still want to be a person that they come to when they need to. I still, I don't want them to like not tell me what their girlfriend and them are doing. And like, if they're going to Disney with their girlfriend, I want them to be able to go, you know? And talk about it and, and not have to hide things from me. And if they're having, like, I want to be a part of their kids' lives. I already know what I'm going to be called as a grandmother. I'm going to be called Lovey. I think that is so cute. I think I think I could just be like, I think that it'd be so cute to be called Lovey. Isn't that what Chris Kardashian, Chris Jenner is called? I don't know. I don't care. None of my business. But, um... Yeah, I like I want to be I want to be like, well, Lovey's coming over and taking you to the fucking park. Like I I don't and even if they're stepkids, I still want to be a part of people's lives. I do not want them to have to like cut off a whole fucking portion of their life because you know, whatever their relationship is isn't, isn't what I envision it to be. Now, obviously there are dangerous things, there are scary things, and even then I think that I will be good at dis at saying um at like expressing my disapproval disapproval without also saying, and then don't talk to me about this ever again. I think so. I hope so. I'll try to be, you know, I call it being on your team, but not liking all the plays, but I'm still here. I'm still fucking cheering for you. By the way, um, I was talking to Liz because my husband was, we were talking about when we moved back to the East coast, because I don't think we're going to move back to the East coast. It's just too cheap and too easy to live in Texas. But I do miss being around. I like to be in a drivable distance from my parents. And my husband, he, we've been mulling it over in terms of like what we would do and and how it will work. And so it's just a conversation. It's not like a plan, but it's just like a, and it's almost how we got to Texas. It was just like, we had about four or five years where we just were like talking about like, okay, so if this happens, that happens, we'll think about it. And the other day, like maybe a week ago, and this is before all the election stuff, actually. But he goes, 
you know, like Eastern Pennsylvania, like outside of Philly. He's like, that'd be a good area. It wouldn't be too far from New York. It wouldn't be too far from your parents. It wouldn't be too far. Like, and his sister lives in Jersey. He's like, we could just like, we're, we're in a like prime position to go wherever we want. It's cold. He's not interested in living in Virginia again. He's not interested in living in VA again. And so he's like, what about PA? And I was like, wow, I cannot like, well, I don't know about that, but one, like it's going to be all super cold. Like I love cold weather. I said, but you're going to be in like in Chicago, you're going to be on like snow duty again. Like I'm not shoveling shit. Don't ask me to. I'm not digging anything out. I, like, you know who you married. You know who you married. I will not. I will never. We'll just be snowed in that bitch. I don't care. And so, <laughs> and I was saying that. And then I said, um, you know, and I was talking about Liz. I was like, you know, Liz lives in Eastern PA. Liz, I could like, I don't know how far, but if it's a few hours, I could definitely meet her at the Texas Roadhouse. I would love to go to chain restaurants with Liz and just eat breadsticks and shit. Yeah, that's all we need to do. Maybe we go to Target together. Me and Liz are both big fans of the Pizza Hut inside the Target and not for the pizza, but for the breadsticks in there. You, If you've never walked around a Target eating breadstick, dipping it in marinara sauce, you ain't lived. I don't know, I don't know what you've been doing with your life. A Friday night in Target eating breadsticks, girl. <laughs> So I was like, yeah, that would be awesome. And then I was, and I also told him that um, I, my husband's a Steelers fan. I don't know how he got to be a Steelers fan. Don't ask me. But I was like, um, you know, they're not Steelers fans in Eastern Philly. They're, I mean, in Eastern PA, they're another team. And I was texting Liz this and she was just like, <laughs> I think I said the Jets. I don't know. I don't, I don't know football. She's like, Eagles. <laughs> And I'm like, I don't know football. I don't know sports. I do not know, like, any of that type of shit. I don't know. I purposely don't know. I don't even remember the team my brother played for. I don't fucking know. But, but anyway, like, why am I fucking talking about? I know why, because I was making a team metaphor, even though I don't even fucking know anything about teams. I, did I say the Jets? I don't know. I don't know where the fuck they, I think they were in Georgia, but I think Liz said that's not true either. But <laughs> I don't fucking know. I really don't. But I will use team uh, metaphors all the fucking time. Anyway, um, I, Stamey brings up an important thing to remember is that part of the reason that um, maybe it's taking Tracy's family longer than it, to come to terms, right? Because obviously, like, I, I'm not gonna, even though I've said some mean things about Tracy's mom, I'm not gonna hold it against her that the second Tracy was like, listen, I'm gay or bisexual or pansexual or whatever the fuck, however she explained it to her. And that she was like, what? I've <laughs> known you for 25 years, you're my child. I think, I, I think that like this is, mm, this is a very different thing you're telling me. <laughs> I, I'm not faulting her for that. I'm not faulting her for being like, what? Okay, explain to me what's happening. I'm not faulting her for that. But, 
for most people, like they'd ask questions. They're, you know, she when she visits home and stuff, you'd meet some some girlfriends. I don't know. And like you just after after some, you know, you get used to it. You'd be like, you know, maybe the first week you'd be like, Tracy told me she was gay. <laughs> and that's not what I thought she was gonna say. I was very surprised. Maybe the second week you'd be like, yeah, you know, Tracy's gay. And then, you know, you meet some girlfriends. It's been a year. <laughs> she's had she's she's had a, a serious girlfriend and a breakup and stuff. And then like people would be like, well, how's Tracy? And you'd be like, well, she's gay. Did I tell you that? And she's definitely gay. You know, that didn't work out with her last relationship, but she's dating a new girl named Stamie. Like, I would expect that even for, if you really cared about your kid, you maybe you'd be surprised. Maybe you take a little while before you'd be able to tell people, but you figure it out. You get there, okay? You move toward it, a goal. But because they haven't really done that because at the, almost the same time, Tracy's parents were getting a divorce. And, um, yeah. Uh, and her dad married someone, like, younger than his kids. <laughs> And so they're all that, and they were a super close family and everything that. And, and so all that was happening. And so there was something else everyone was dealing with. And then Tracy being gay was over that way. Still, I just think it's too long. And I think that like, she's too close to her daughter to like literally not want to talk about her entire life. I just, I don't like it. I just don't. Um, Tracy's got a modeling job for one of those agents Stamy knew. So they, she goes out on the job. I mean, Tracy's very pretty. She's tall. She's skinny. She's pretty. Um, do I think she should be a model? I don't know. A model's like a hanger for clothes. Can you make clothes look good? Can you make people wish they were you? Can you be aspirational? Then sure. But I don't know. Um, and she comes home and, uh, she turns out she's going to be on the cover. Um, and Tracy jokes that that's a good way to tell people she's gay. Now she doesn't have to keep coming out because in a certain way, when you're anything other than cis heterosexual, then you do have to come out over and over again. Right. You do have to tell people since you're not quote unquote, the default you do have to tell people you're gay. You have to tell people you're bi. You have to tell people you're, you have to like keep coming out over and over again, unless you live in a very tight knit community or you live in a place where people assume like, unless you're wearing a buzz cut, <laughs> keep coming back to this buzz cut. But yeah, like she says that now being on the cover of a lesbian magazine, cause the, excuse me, the shoot is for a lesbian magazine. Um, now being on the cover of a, les a lesbian magazine, she can just show that the people and not worry about coming out. And she also is like, her mom doesn't read that magazine. I'm like, yeah, your mom doesn't read that regional lesbian magazine. Magazine, No, she doesn't. Um, oh, one thing I forgot is that when uh, Tracy talked to her mom, just like Tracy said she was, her mom did not mention Stamey friend requesting. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to live in a family like that. I just, it's not possible. Um, I come from a large group of, even though my parents are old black people. So like, they definitely are like, <laughs> they definitely are like, oh, I just want you to know I had cancer last year and I didn't want you to know about it because I didn't want to worry you. <laughs> but I mean, they're, they're still that, but for the most part, we are a dump your purse on the table type of family and that people just say shit. They just say shit. They, and if you have a question, you just ask it. 
Um, I know a family who a woman, an elderly woman lives with another elderly woman and they're not related and no one knows who that other woman is. And it's been brought up that maybe that is their mom's lover. And I was like, well, how come you don't know? (laughs) And they're like, she didn't tell us. And I was like, well, just ask her. (laughs) I mean, they could just be, um, close. They could be golden girls it up, or they could be in a relationship. It, It really could be anything. And in my family, it wouldn't last more than like, like the moment you're like, oh, and now I live with this woman, we'd be like, oh, why? <laughs> well, you know, because we're both lonely and stuff. Oh, are you guys dating? Like, we would just ask you. And this is why I've gotten to the point where I have to like tell people it's okay not to ask my answer my questions. Because a lot of times when you ask someone a question, it they automatically answer it, even if they don't necessarily want to. Like they do it before they think about it. And so like, Sometimes when I'm asking questions, I'm like, but you don't have to answer that if you don't want to, because I know that I rapid fire ask questions. Like it's not, it's not possible for me not to. I'll just be like, why? Who's that? Are you guys dating? Oh, you're not? Oh, you are? Is that your girlfriend? What's up? Like, especially if it was like my mom, I I can ask my mom anything. I can just be like, whatever. By the way, my mother told me, let me tell you what this bitch told me. She done told me that in 2021, first of all, she told me, that if Biden wins the presidency, it's because she was praying. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. By the way, you should have started praying earlier, bitch. But fine. <laughs> Boy, if, that, if, it's, if it's that easy, pray me some money. <laughs> but, but secondly, she told me in 2021, she, uh, she has no intention of buying any new clothes or shoes or accessories. Now... My mother loves to shop. My mother buys, she doesn't buy online. She doesn't try anything on in the store. What she does is she goes in there and she buys five of the same thing in different colors. Gets it home, she barely returns things. Barely. Like she just keeps it and then gives it away. It is so fucking weird. My mom loves to shop. She's all, and not like, she's not Nikki, not Gucci, nah. uh <laughs> Nothing like that. I'm talking Elaine Bryant. My mom used to go to Simply Fashions when we were younger. <laughs> uh, fashion Hut. <laughs> that type of shit, okay? Uh, not even Elaine Bryant. That's what I meant. I meant Ashley Stewart because that sort of stuff. My mom used to. That's the type of place my mom used to. Uh, rainbow. <laughs> I think they still have a rainbow. And every now and then she goes in there. My mom, like, just buys shit, okay? And. It is like a part of her life where she just will like go pick up a shirt this week or five shirts really in different colors. That's just the type of shit she does. And so like, I don't think it's possible for her not to buy shoes. I don't think it's possible for her not to buy clothes. And those, I work in an office necklace earring sets. I don't, I don't think it's possible. Now I've always been the beneficiary of this because like I can just go in my mom's closet and though she's much taller than me. My mom's like damn near six feet tall. <laughs> she is uh, like we fit on top. And so like I get I get sweaters and things from her and she's always got like a fucking purse from Dillard's or something, <laughs> or something like that. And 
that she'll be like, oh, I don't wear, I don't use this purse here. I've got three of them. <laughs> so she does that. At one point they used to have, my parents used to have a storage unit that was just for my mother's off season clothes. So, and then like when the season turned, my mom would have to like pack clothes and like do all that shit. So I just, when she told me that I looked in the camera, just like fucking Jim on the office. I was like, y'all hear this? I don't know why she thinks she's going to do that. But anyway, why am I talking about that? Oh, like if it was my mom, I could just ask her anything and I could tell her anything. Now, will she tell me to stop playing on her phone sometimes? Yeah, but she just, like, I, I cannot imagine living in a world where Tracy, where I'm Tracy and I'm mentioning something that's incredibly important to me, which is my relationship with Stamie, even though they've only been together like seven months. And the fact that like, I spend a good portion of my time with Stamie and her children, like that is my life. And you don't want to talk about that. You want to talk with the dogs. You want to talk about what lunch I'm bringing to school. I mean, to, to work, whether I ran today, you know, what's that noise my car is making, which is all good conversation. I don't mind making that type of conversation, but when I talk to you, when I try to talk about the important stuff, you just like, mm-hmm, and move on. I, that doesn't work for me. I mean, that's really all that happened with Tracy and Stevie this week. So, I mean, gosh, we're almost two hours in. Uh, let's get to the Whitney of it all. So, Whitney has fucked everybody in LA, so now she's going to San Francisco. <laughs> no, Whitney's just doing fuckboy shit, which means that she has... Um, really entangled, like all the entanglement she has in LA. And so she's going on vacation to San Francisco to fuck somebody else who is, she doesn't have as much as complicated with. Um, and so she'll get fresh drama, you know, cause now she's tired of the drama she created. And she's like, Oh, it's too much drama. I gotta leave it to him. Um, Tor gives Whitney a look as she leaves, like, what the fuck are you even looking at me for? And she's so mad. She says she has no commitments to Whitney at this point, which is cute, but let's keep it real, Tor. You never had any commitments with Whitney. Y'all, that's the problem. Y'all never agreed to anything. Y'all just kind of showed up and just did shit. Um, and you don't have any commitments to Whitney, not because you chose to, but because Whitney's a fuckboy. Uh, Whitney's going with Scarlett. They're driving down. Uh, she says LA is the place to live, but all the debauchery goes on in San Francisco. Um, what's the drive? Like, I know it's like a, a very short flight, but what's it like? Is it like six hours? Maybe not sure. Um, you know, Whitney's worried about getting her period on the way there because Sada's going to be in, Sada still lives in San Francisco. She's going to a great girl party that night. I mean, there's tons of people there that she's been with and that she, you know, she's got options and she's worried about getting her period. And she talks about a little bit about how when you're a woman having sex with women, though, how if you're not synced up on your period, which happens a lot if you live together or if you have similar cycles. I mean, I've never been synced up with anybody in my period. My period comes every 20 days and only lasts three days. And I also don't get cramps, although I think I'm starting to. I remember another one day I was laying in my bed. I was like, oh, I feel a smidge of discomfort. Is this what people are talking about? Is this menstruation? <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm getting close to like menopause. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so maybe I'm starting, I'm going to just have like, I just felt like a pressure. Like someone had their, not they were pushing on my pelvis, but like they had their hand on my pelvis. And I was like, oh, oh, maybe I'm going to get cramps now. Maybe, maybe this is it. But <laughs> 
But so I've never synced up with anybody because my body is weird. And so <laughs> and like I grew up, my mom got a hysterectomy when she was like fucking 25 years old, maybe 26. And she was very young. And so I grew up, my mom didn't have her period, and I was the only girl in the house. So I thought this is how periods were. Like, I was like, yeah, you get like I feel very strong during my period. I can lift a couch up, I can fight. A child, <laughs> I can like stop a moving train. Like I feel very strong. I feel like this burst of like energy and it's gone, you know, three days later, I'm done with this period. I'm off, you know, maybe four if, uh, if things are getting a little rusty. I don't know. And off we go. And then I might have it again the same month later or I might 20 days, about 20 days later. Um, and so like that's, this is how I thought it was. Like, yes, I read 17 magazine. But I didn't know. I, I just, I, I thought people were being exaggerators. And so, <laughs> and so, so when I went to college, it was the first time I lived with another girl and she just kind of died every month. It was really, I was, I was very concerned for her. I'd be like, what's wrong? And she'd be like, my period's coming. I was like, okay, you want to go out and play stickball or something? Like, <laughs> And she'd be like, no, I have to lay in his bed. I'd be like, why? We can just like go. Let's go live our lives. <laughs> this is when I first, and then like right out of college, I started working or during college after the first year of college, I started working with this girl who had um, cysts, which is what my mom had, which is why she had to get the hysterectomy. She had ovarian cysts and like her periods were like fucking hardcore. I we I don't know. She would talk to me about it. I'd be like, what language are you even speaking? Like, what are you talking about? What do you mean you you're gonna bleed through three comforters? What does that mean? How much blood is coming? Like she would talk to me about that shit. She would she would have to call out. She if she couldn't call out, she'd be like doubled over in pain and shit. And I'd be like, could like could you take like like I we you know I'd be like, do you, can you get like a Tylenol or something? Is that is that a thing? I heard like don't they have something called Midol? You could use that. And she's like, no bitch, no, you can't use that. What the fuck are you even talking about? But I didn't know I was trying to be helpful. And she was the first person. And, and now at this big age I am, I know lots of people who have different types of periods. But uh, her name was Winter, by the way. And we used to answer the phone. Hello, this is Princess. Or hello, this is fucking Winter. And I know people would be like, why y'all playing on the phone? <laughs> but but uh, between Winter and that first roommate I had and later on, like, close friends, like, I was very shocked. Like I said, I read 17 magazine, but they exaggerate a lot about a lot about a lot of things. So I didn't know. And so um I'm talking I'm just talking about periods for some reason. Uh Whitney says that so she's saying that when when you're someone who sleeps with women and you guys are together a lot, you will sync up and so that's good. But if you're not synced and periods generally run about a week, you know, 5 7 days depending you know, 10, if some people have 10 day periods, it's true. I didn't believe it either. I'm telling you, I found out. And so, <laughs> and so, um, 
he is so like, but if you're not synced up, then like, you know, you got a week, almost a week. I got almost a week. And then that leaves like not a lot of time in the month to have sex. And, but Whitney says she's not worried about it. She has her red wings, meaning that she has sex during periods. I mean, people do it. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, if you if it's really that important to you to have sex, then go ahead. But, um... So that's what she's talking about going on. Her period is on its way. Uh, okay, so they're getting ready. Scarlett's getting her ready, just putting makeup on her. They're going to a girl party um, at a club. Um, I mean, it's a party with girls. But it's I'm assuming that the club is a lesbian club. and Or this is a lesbian night at the club or something like that. Like, it really is. There, there will likely not be any cis men there. And Scarlett's not going to go because her, her ex is one of the promoters. And I'm like, why do we need to know that? Also, will you, is there a story I need to know here? Because just because they're a promoter doesn't mean you're going to like have to spend time with them there. Like you can just go in and you probably never see them. But so Whitney goes by herself, she's wearing makeup. <laughs> Scarlett gave her eyebrows. <laughs> All of her friends are there. Sada's dancing the K's in a lace onesie. Whitney is so drawn by this. She's just pointing at her and looking at her and whooping. Like, I'm like, I know it's, it seems to be a very big club, but I'm like, you know she can see you, right? Like, <laughs> she, I know she's over there dancing and shit, but like, she can see you like high-fiving and pointing and shit. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand enjoying what you're looking at. Um, but no, it's like, calm down. Um, Whitney says all the other girls in her life want her, Whitney, but all she wants is Sada, and Sada's playing hard to get, which is like, you know, classic fuckboy behavior, right? Um, you are in this thing. I keep saying entanglement because that's, seems like the best word for Whitney and what she's doing with each of these women. You're in this thing with someone where you are making promises. Uh, you guys are trying to work things together and all you want is the person that's not giving you the time of day. And not that Sada's not giving her the time of day. Sada just lives in San Francisco. That's really the reason why she seems fresh to you. Cause you don't see her every day. At some point, Jack gets in one of uh, Whitney's friends, Jack gets in the, the uh the cage with Sada and they're dancing and rolling all over each other and simulating sex and I mean I guess it was sexy it was fine I mean I don't particularly find Sada sexy I don't know I think it's more of a personality um I really should do the couples therapy or whatever season that they were on because I think John Gosling was on it and so was um Farah from Team Mom I think I should do that. But like, I've just seen a lot of Sada's personality and I don't think she's a bad person at all, but I, I don't, she doesn't seem trustworthy. She seems like somebody's going to fuck you over, to be honest, to me. That's what she seems like to me. And that is an immediate turn off to me because, you know, I don't, I don't want to be vulnerable with somebody who doesn't care, you know? But also I think Whitney's fucked Jack. Either she already fucked Jack or she fucks her in a, a season or later. But, 
you know, it could honestly be that she used to fuck Jack and then she's going to fuck her in a later season. It, it could be possible. This is all possible. Um, by the time the night is over, Whitney's drunk. She's slurring and she's telling, and Sada's like, what's up? And she's telling her that they're going back to the hotel together. And, you know, so they're skinny dipping, not skinny dipping, they have their underwear on, but they're like half naked in the pool kissing then they go in the bathroom and make out some more they get in the shower and make out some more the camera person is in the bathroom with them the camera person has their camera in the shower and you know Whitney never takes her bottoms off um but um Whitney never takes her bottoms off but uh, we can see Sada finger banging her and like the editing's off on this. Okay. Because the camera's inside the bathroom, the camera's outside the bathroom, dealing with people trying to get in the bathroom, dealing with people telling them to hurry up and stuff. And like, just the edits weird. I don't believe they had two cameramen there. I don't believe, I don't believe they had two cameramen there. I don't believe they had, um, I don't, I don't believe they had like, uh, a cameraman inside and outside. I mean, it could be a cameraman. I'm sorry. I'm, I keep gingering that a camera person inside and inside and outside the bathroom. I don't believe that. I really think it's an edit issue that maybe they were in the bathroom for a little while and then left and they started fucking. I don't, I don't know. But it's a little bit off and they're like fucking it. If I'm to believe like what I saw on the screen, there there are lots of people in that hotel room. Um and they are uh fucking in the one bathroom <laughs> and in there for a while. <sighs> okay, whatever. Girls just wanna have fun. So it's the next night, I think. And Whitney is out to dinner with everyone. Scarlett, Sada, Jack, all of her friends. And they're talking about, like, when they first realized they were into women, you know? And for me, like, Sada's story, not Sada, Jack's story, really. Like, Sada talks about, like, how they would go down on each other as, like, teenagers and stuff. Or, like, preteens because um, one of them got their first couple of pubic hairs and no one wanted to go down and she was crying and shit. But that's like not my experience. Jack's experience is, is my experience where um, she just realized that she was having like these intense girl crushes and girls have crushes on girls, period. Okay. That's just how it is when you're younger. And it kind of, it, it can taper off as you get older, but it's still not unusual to be like in your mid thirties and have this girl crush on somebody that, and, and not want to fuck them, but just have a crush on them and like. You know, when when I did the bonus episode on Liz's Patreon about um, the girls incarcerated, we were talking about how they'd be in the great the great room and guards would be looking and stuff and the girls would be holding hands and, and cuddling and stuff. How hard it would be for, as a guard, to tell who was literally in a relationship and who was just a preteen girl because that's what they do. They hold hands, they, you know... Uh, Think Anna Green Gables and Diana. That's just like what they they pledge to be together forever. It's it's how girls relate to girls. But like Jack, what I realized as I was getting older was like 
yeah, some of these are just little girl crushes, but some of them, I am very into this person. Like it is more than that. I want to be with them. I didn't do the stuff with Whitney where she was like, we were, oh, so we're practicing for boys. That's not, I mean, I was told that a few times, but I knew we weren't practicing. But I just realized I would get into these intense relationships with women, with other women, other girls. And it was just as intense as when I was crushing on a guy or in a relationship with a guy. And that is how I came to know my sexuality. I, I realized it. I'm no Tracy, but, but I was definitely in high school when I realized I was like, well, you know, either or is fine. Like I am much more attracted to like a person than a sexuality. Maybe I'm pansexual. I don't know. I don't think so, but <laughs> I don't need to be figuring out my sexuality on this fucking, <laughs> on this podcast at 40 years old. But I just realized that like, I had a lot more options than many of the girls I was friends with. I was just like, you know, I really could go either or. I really could. And yeah, so like when they're telling that story, I was like, okay, I see it. I see it, Jack. Like that is exactly how it went with me. Um, Sada, someone asked, do you think women can fuck like men? And a lot of them said no, because it's the passion, it's the intensity. It's like how women relate to women, you know? And um, I was like... No, not I. Well, I. I think women can fuck like men. I think it's possible. I think it's a mindset. And I think, one, men are socialized to fuck that way. And then also physicality plays a part in it, like the way they have sex. And women having sex with women are... Men having sex with men is not too different than men having sex with women in the mechanics of it. Like some holes are different. Some procedures are different, but it's a, it's the same fucking thing, to be honest. Um, but women having sex with women, like we talked about a couple of episodes ago, there are just a lot of fucking options. And the way women are socialized to connect to, to people means that, you know, that stupid stereotype, you haul in it, you know, that they get close very quickly and they get vulnerable very quickly. But not all, but that's a stereotype and stereotypes are not all true for everyone. They're just, they're stereotypes because there's a grain of truth in them and they're true a lot, but nothing's true all the time. And I think there are plenty of women who can be like Sada described, being very passionate and being very intense and being very, um, connected for short periods of time. And then when it's done, it's done. Like, I think there are plenty of women like that. I think I can be like that to a certain extent. Like when I'm done, I'm done. And so, and I don't always tell people when I'm done, I'm just like, something happens, like a small thing, like the way you look at something or the way you say something. And I'm like, Oh, I'm done with this. And yeah, that's possible. But Whitney, when she hears Sada say that is very like, wait, is that what she's doing to me? And I'm like, Whitney, you do that to everyone. And to her credit, she does mention that. She's done that to plenty of people. But Whitney, Whitney says something else that resonates with me. I talked about earlier is that like, it's very hard to be vulnerable with people that you aren't sure of how they feel about you. And so Whitney waits to be vulnerable until people, she's sure that person is head over heels for her. Like that's when she waits to be vulnerable. And she does that, I mean, 
I don't know that she says it straight out, but I'll tell you why she does it. It's rejection. It's afraid of being like abandoned. It's afraid of like counting on somebody and finding out that it's afraid of, uh, counting on somebody and finding out later that, um, they are, I don't know. They are, they, they aren't what you thought they were and like putting all your eggs in one basket and then your basket being taken away. Like, like just saying this shit, it's like, I can feel my breathing changing because like, these are things I'm scared of. I'm scared of people leaving me in the dust. I'm scared of me expecting something. And then later on, these people fuck me over again. My attachment style is trust no bitch. Okay. (laughs) So like, I get what you're saying there, Whitney, but I think the difference, or at least I hope the difference between me is, is that because I know how much that hurts really bad because I know that hurts really fucking bad. Like also I try not to do that to people. I try to be clear about my intentions. I try, I mean, listen, if you, if you fuck with me, I'll, I'll walk out on you. But I try to be careful about like letting people in my life. I don't call everybody a friend. I don't tell everybody I love them. I don't really name people as my best friends. I am just very careful about how I invite people into my world because I don't want to give people the wrong impression about things because I know what it's like to think it's one thing and it turns out to be another. And I, I'm being trying to, I'm guarding my heart. <laughs> I got a little fence around it. It's a little barbed wire, <laughs> a ring protect system. <laughs> I'm, I'm very careful with my heart. Um, my, the issue is that <laughs> once I fucking love you, I love you. <laughs> and it's very hard for me to like, so maybe I'm not like a father. I think I'm talking about in terms of sex, I can be that way. But once I've opened up and I've decided, like once you're one of my people, you are, it's very hard for me to get rid of you. It's very hard. Like I will fight for relationships. Um, I will do things that are not quite in the best judgment because it's very hard to get inside that little heart. And then once you get inside it, I don't want to let you go. So like I'm dysfunctional, sure. But the fact that Whitney's saying this and she's like, maybe Sod is doing this to me. And now that I think about that, maybe I do that to other people. I'm like, Sod, I'm like, Whitney, dude. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Like you're not just realizing this. This is like something you know, right? Because if you're just realizing this at like 25, 26, 28, however fucking old you are and on camera, like I'm not impressed by that. Like it's, you've probably been doing this for years and years and years and years. And Alyssa probably already told you do you do this and you don't listen to her. That's probably what happened. <laughs> um, you know, they're having drinks and I don't know if they're having drinks in the same space and that Sodom wouldn't have gone off together or whether they've gone to another location. I'm not quite sure, but, um, it is Whitney's last night. I mean, I think she's only there for the weekend. And they're talking about what could happen with them. Sada and Whitney are talking about what they're going to happen on the, like, on their own. And 
sounds like it could basically go either way, which I think is a healthy way to talk about this because they don't live near each other. And she mentions that. She's like, if we near, live near each other, you know, maybe we could start something. But, you know, as it is now, when we see each other, I'm happy to see you and I'll take it as it is, which I think is a healthy way to do it. And, um, and here I was just saying, I don't trust Sasha, but she's saying the right things here, okay? And, you know... Whitney is telling Sada that she's very attracted to her, but she's not too available. And Sada's like, I'm not too available either. And I just, this is where she talks about the vulnerability thing. But like, Whitney, here's the thing. I know you have a lot of chemistry with, with Sada. And chemistry is real, but I don't necessarily know that what you're talking about is chemistry. I think you want Sada, which is important in a relationship, but I also think that like, you've wanted a lot of girls and a lot of girls have wanted you and you're you're literally juggling Tor and Romy at home. And although Tor less so at this point because Tor is just over it and like you've, you've been honest with Tor and now that you've actually been honest with Tor, she's like, uh, no. And so, <laughs> so like, I don't know. I think if Whitney wanted to, she could settle with a lot of different people. I think Whitney's single now. I think, when I watched that video about her being a mask, lesbian, pregnant, single and all that, that's what she said. She said she was single. But like, there's a lot of girls Whitney could be with that it could have worked out with. Um, I think what she's drawn to with Sada is that Sada is giving her chase and is not like, let's get married. And it's not like, let's be boyfriend and girlfriend. Boyfriend and girlfriend, Jesus Christ. Girlfriend and girlfriend. And let's be... Let's move it. That's not what Sada's saying. She's like, oh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Mm. And Sada's very sexy and other people want Sada. It is very much like toddlers with toys. I don't want it unless somebody else wants it. And if you give it to me now, I really don't want it. It's very immature. I don't, was I always this annoyed with Whitney? I probably was, but I wasn't. You know what the difference is with this? Like I said, I haven't watched this in a few years because like I said, I can't watch people's tits on TV with my kids in the house or watching with me. And then two, I have a really hard time. Like all these shows that I'm that I'm like reviewing and going over and dissecting, I've watched before, but I never sat down and was like, and then at minute 37, they did this. And then look at her. What's the camera angle? I Like these are, some of these are thoughts I've had, but I never had to sit down like write notes and stuff. And the more I'm like dissecting this, the more I'm like, I do not like Whitney. And I'm also looking at her on a 2020 lens as opposed to 2010. And I was 30 in 2010. Um, and maybe married three years or so. But like, just the way I see things are very different. And I find myself really disliking Whitney. I dislike her behavior. I dislike her, who me? What? I didn't do it. What are you mad at me? I hate that shit. And Rose too. Rose is manipulative. I I see more of that. I mean, I always thought she wasn't very nice than that. But like the more I see of her being manipulative, the less I like of her. And I don't know that Tracy and Stamie were my favorite at first. I probably thought they were boring too. But now I'm in a different space and that's how I feel. Like, yeah. Um, I don't think 
so I don't, again, I don't know how this sizes up. Maybe they go back and sit with their friends or something. Maybe it's lunch. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the timeline is on this, but the next part is we see them sitting with everybody and, um, Sada and her friend at the table are confirming that they are going to live together. Um, and that they, they're ready to move to LA soon-ish, maybe a couple months or maybe next month or something. And um, they confirm me that they're gonna put a deposit down and like who's gonna live there. And so Sada is coming to LA and they're going to have a third roommate and it might be Tor. Um, although Sada calls her Victoria, which solves my problem of what is Tor's real name. But, um, not real name, given name. Um, so, but, and like Whitney's about to freak out. Cause she's like, what? Like, obviously that would make things uncomfortable for her. Right? Like Sada, she's like, I can't believe Sada doesn't even care about the fact that she'd be living with Tor, another girl I've hooked up with. And then the next beat she goes, She's like, she doesn't know? Well, that's why she doesn't care, Whitney. You didn't tell her. Like, obviously, if Sada kinds of knows, you know what, small circles, keep saying this, small circles. If Sada knows Tor, she knows that Tor is staying in Alyssa and Whitney's house, right? She knows Alyssa, the Taurus, she probably knows Tor is Alyssa's cousin and that Tor and Whitney are, are business partners and roommates. Great. Here's the thing though. I do not believe Whitney has told Tor that, has told Sada that Tor is staying in her room. I don't think she told her that. I don't think she told her that Tor and her, she, she definitely didn't tell her Tor and her hooked up because I think Sada, as any rational person is, now Sada is pretty cool about like, pretty healthy about like, okay, we're not together, things can happen, blah, blah, blah. But I think Sada would be like, oh, she's in your bed? Why? <laughs> like, what's going, oh, are you guys hooking? Like, you know, and Whitney did admit that she's hooked up with other girls and stuff. I mean, again, they're not in a relationship and Sada's been very clear that she understands that she's, Sada is the anti-Romy. Romy is like, Tinder Romy has her heart on her sleeve and is like ready to claim good old uh, Whitney. And they're like ready to be together. And she's like, this is something, I am connected to you, yada, yada, yada. But Sada is very much the opposite of that. And like, yeah, we'll see. But still, I think Sada would say, oh, you've been hooking up with Tor or you hooked up with Tor and she she's in your room? Why is she in your room? Because, oh, you, th- you guys thought you might be hooking up when you got here, when she got here? Oh, okay. And I don't think that she would like try to go beat Tor up, at least not in this scene, like what we're getting from her in this scene, okay? I don't, I I think Sa does a lot of things, okay, in real life. But um, I don't think she tried to go beat Tor up, but I do think that she'd be like, oh, I don't, I don't want to live with Tor so that in two months when you're not fucking with me anymore, you're over here visiting Tor and I wake up to make coffee in the morning and you're in there strapping down Tor. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't think anybody would want to do that. I know in particular, 
most of the gay men I know don't have a problem doing stuff like that. I mean, that's just that's that's just from my personal experience. I don't know that like I wouldn't want to be sit here and be like, oh, gay men are like this. But in my personal experience, like they definitely don't have a problem living with people that they used to have sex with, and or or like living with somebody and you both fuck the same person and sometimes he's fucking you and sometimes that's just my experience in life in these 40 years of 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 my interactions with gay men i don't think women well i just said women fuck can fuck like men i just don't think women tend to and i just don't necessarily think that like that would go over well in the long run in my eyes but Whitney says that she thinks it's a definitely, I mean, she almost chokes in her drink, but she says she thinks it's definitely a good idea. But Tor has to find something in the next two weeks, so it probably won't work. So the next time Whitney will probably see Sada is after Sada moves to LA. She said that she looks at Sada as someone she could be in a relationship with at the, when she was ready to be in one, but now she might have changed her mind. And I'm like, what? What happened, Whitney? The whole time you're like, I have the most chemistry with her. She's so hot. She's so great. This is, she's the only one I'm thinking about. She's the one I, everybody wants to be with me. She's the one I'm really thinking about. Blah, blah, blah. You know what happened? Her ass is moving to LA. That's what happened. And suddenly she's going to be on your home turf. And suddenly you're going to have access to her. And suddenly she's not going to be some chew toy you have to chase down. They put her actually in your fucking doggy bed. And now you don't fucking want it. I am so fucking annoyed. <laughs> anyway, they drive back to LA and that's the pretty much the end. I have gone on for, it's, it's over two hours this week. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that by the time you get this on Sunday, you know who the president is, or at least we know who uh, the votes have decided the president is. Um, I, I just really hope that this two hours, you did something besides think about voting. Um, I hope that you don't think about Wallace. <laughs> and I hope that <laughs> guys go watch the wire. Go fucking watch the wire. Oh my god. I will see you for you know, I might do something, I might do a bonus episode, like just summing up my thoughts on the vow. You can't really recap it, it's too long, but like maybe summing up all my thoughts on the Nexium stuff and um just like like you know, I really want to talk about a cult leader who wears a ponytail and plays volleyball at three o'clock in the morning. And I want to talk about, <laughs> I want to talk about that. I, I feel like I do, but we'll see. We'll see. But, uh, if you're a Patreon member, you, I'll see you for the bonus episode, uh, this week and until next time. Bye.